Office, that is a truly awful movie trailer. Uh, for, how many of you have seen The Prince's Bride? I'm just kind of curious. Okay, good. All right. Uh, so those of you that have seen the movie, like everything that the trailer shows are spoilers of major plot points in that. I, I don't understand what they were thinking when they cut this. Uh, but despite all that, this, this is the best movie th there is. I mean, just, just hands down, uh, this, this is the greatest movie. Uh, I, for those of you who haven't seen it, here's the IMDb one-sentence plot summary. And this is the best one we've, we've read so far. So one sentence, here's The Princess Bride. While homesick in bed, a young boy's grandfather reads him a story called The Princess Bride. So that's the plot summary on the Internet Movie Database uh, for this movie. If you do not love this movie, uh, it means you have not seen it. This movie has everything. It has fencing, it has fighting, torture, revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, miracles. I just celebrated its 30th year anniversary last year, so it came out in 1987. Uh, people still love this movie, and one of the things I, I, I think that it, uh, people think about it so much is how quotable the movie is. I mean, how many of you feel like you could quote the movie? Okay, all right, good. Well, we're going to test that right now. All right, and uh, you guys have the opportunity to be my favorite service for today, because first service let me down big time. All right, so here we go. I'm going to help you out with the first one, so you kind of get, I'm going to give you a line, and then I want you to, I want you to say, say it back, okay? All right, say the next one back. That Vincini, he can fuss. Fuss, fuss, I think he liked to scream at us. All right, are you guys with me what scene I'm on? Not yet. All right, we'll get there. Probably he means no harm. He's very, very short on charm. You with me yet? All right, let's, let's try this one. You have a great gift for rhyme. Yes, somebody got it over here. Amazing, amazing. Uh, Fezzik, are the rocks ahead? Yes, yes. You guys are killing first service. This is amazing. No more rhymes now. I mean it. Yes, all right. We did amazing. Give yourselves a hand. That was, a, that was incredible. All right. A rhetorical hand. All right. No, but good. You clap for each other. Okay. Uh, of, course, of course, there's always the, the great revenge line. Hello, my name is Inigo Matoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. I mean, that, that's great. Chip sent me this week, uh, sent me this graphic this week. Um, uh, here's Inigo's Guide to Networking Success. So you guys can use this uh, during the work week uh, this week as you're networking with other people. Uh, first, you need a polite greeting. Hello. Uh, number two, share your name. My name is Inigo Matoya. Number three, a relevant personal link. So share how you're connected with the person. You killed my father. Uh, number four, manage expectations. Prepare to die. So now, uh, you know, if you ever had trouble networking with others, uh, here are the great life lessons you can learn from uh, this movie. Some of you may know that Carrie Elwes wrote a book about the movie called As You Wish, and he tells a lot of anecdotal things about the filming of it and that kind of thing. I actually, I actually own the book, and I've read it. I know you guys think I'm, I'm crazy at this point, but a couple, I mean, there's just some amazing things that happened with the filming of this, mo this movie. Uh, you guys, Andre the Giant was just a huge, massive, otherworldly human being. Uh, during the filming of the movie, Robin Wright, who played Buttercup, she would get cold. And so Andre, to, uh, to help her keep warm, he would just take his hand and put it over her head. And it would keep her warm, like, during those cold moments. It was just crazy stuff. Anybody seen Spinal Tap in here? So you know that Christopher Guest played Nigel Tufnell, and he played Count Rugen, the Six-Fingered Man. Well, did you ever put together that Nigel likes his amp turned to what? 
And how many fingers does a six-fingered man have? He has 11, no, he had, no, he has six on one hand. Yeah, 11 total. Yeah, awesome. All right, good stuff. I could keep going, but I'm not. There's just something amazingly wholesome about this movie, this fairy tale. It's great, although I am self-aware uh, about this, and I do recognize that if Wesley had just stayed with Buttercup, like if their love was so great and so strong, why did he leave? It's like, well, uh, yeah, we love each other, but I'm going to go leave and see if I can become rich because, honestly, you've kind of been a brat to me for the last several years, and I kind of need a break. I mean, I, you know, what's going on with that situation? I get that. But I think, I think the reason that people love this movie. And I get some of you have probably seen it. You might not feel the same way I do about it. And we can pray about that together after the service. And that's fine. <laughs> but I think people love this movie, not just because it's quotable, not because it has everything that you can imagine as far as the genre. You know, it all includes all, all of these, these things, the fighting and the jokes and all that kind of stuff. I, th I think it's because it connects with a deep, innate desire that we all have, and that's for love to conquer all. I think that's really, and, and I know some of us are kind of cynical and jaded, you know, from, from that kind of stuff, because we kind of put some walls up, and that's fine. We're going to talk about that in a second. But, but really, that is the power of this movie, is because all of us want that same fairy tale to be true in our lives. I mean, Wesley says to Buttercup, I told you I would always come for you. Why didn't you wait for me? And she says, well, you were dead. And Wesley says, death cannot stop true love. All it can do is delay it for a while for a while. And Buttercup says, I will never doubt again. And Wesley says, there will never be a need. I mean, how, like, allow yourself to just let that happen, all right? And how amazing is that? I mean, it's a great part of the movie. And, and, and we know that, like, Wesley, they get separated again, and he's going to do everything he can to reach her, and we kind of continue on on with the movie, but, but maybe we kind of gloss over something that we've all felt acutely at some point in our lives as the movie stops and the credits begin to roll, we remember that love hasn't always been there when we felt that we've needed it the most. And then the fairy tale is over, and the movie is done, and we go about our lives. We've all been let down by someone. The more it happens, the more doubt we have, and the more walls we put up to protect ourselves from the pain of those moments. Remember at the beginning of the movie where Buttercup is sitting there at the fireplace in the chair and she gets the letter that r tells her that the Dread Pirate Roberts has killed Wesley and she finishes reading it and she says this line as you get this close up on her face and she says, I will never love again. We have these experiences and the walls go up and it affects the rest of our lives. Some of us were raised experiencing this type of of betrayal of love from the time we were, we were children. And it continues to be difficult for us to open ourselves fully to trust in true love again. And yet when we read the Bible and we discover what God's story is for us and what he's done, one of the major truths that the entire Bible culminates in is that God relentlessly pursues us with his love. That not even, can, not even death can stop it, and that it never fails. See, when we get burned by family or relationships, friendships, and religion, there are parts of us that kind of shut down. We experience shame through that. We experience vulnerability and harden ourselves from that vulnerability. But the ability to connect with others is why we're here. 
One of the, um, there's a researcher that I've become fan, uh, a fan of over the last couple of years. Her name is Brene Brown. She's had some, a couple different TED Talks that some of you on shame and vulnerability that some of you may have seen before. She's an author and has written some books. Um, one, of, one of the things that she's discovered through her research in, on shame and vulnerability are, are, are some of these things. She identifies how we're neurologically wired to be connected to, to people or feel connection while we're here. But when she would ask people about love, they would tell her about their heartbreak. And when she asked people about belonging, they would tell her stories about being excluded. And when she asked about people feeling connected, they would tell stories of disconnection. And she goes on to explain how people develop this sense of shame and this sense of fear when they are uh, moving through life because of these moments where they've, been, they've had their heart broken or they've had disconnection happen in their lives. And they say they develop this sense of shame, this sense of feeling that, I, well, I must not be enough if this person is going to leave or if this person is going to treat me this way, if this situ- situation and circumstance is going to happen in my life, then there must be something wrong with me. And so we put walls up and we kind of shut ourselves off from the ability to be hurt. But when we do that, we also shut ourselves off from the ability to feel love. See, the one thing that she's found consistent throughout her research is that the people who are able to move past this, to experience love, and even after experiencing heartbreak, to be able to heal through that and move on through that are the same people who keep themselves vulnerable in life. They're the same people who keep themselves open to relationship. The same people who continue to put themselves out there, even if they may not feel the same return love or the same connection, feel the same return connection or the same return effort in a relationship. They continue to do that because that keeps them vulnerable enough to be able to experience joy, belonging, creativity, and love. She says this, we cannot selectively numb emotions. When we numb the painful emotions, we also numb the positive emotions. And so Buttercup kind of learns later in the movie that she will experience love again. She learns that she didn't have to cut herself off from that. And one of the encouragements that we have and reminders that we have as Christ followers is that we can love with our whole heart we can connect and be in relationship with people with our everything without any guarantee that's going to be reciprocated because of how God loves us, because of the love that he sent us. That we can trust and know that we'll never get burned by God's love, even if we get burned by the love of others. Jesus gives this quick parable to describe how God loves us and feels about us, uh, and specifically children in this context. He says in Matthew chapter 18, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of those little ones should perish, and we're all called his child. We are pursued by a relentless love from our Creator and Savior. And God's love is the safest place to be. Even if you find yourself in screeching eel-infested waters or at the cliffs of insanity or in the pit of despair, the true love of God is worth living and sharing with others. 
when she discovers that Wesley lives, Buttercup has this renewed boldness with which she lives her life and bears her circumstance. She's willing to sacrifice her love to save him now that she knows that he lives again. She's willing to suffer while waiting for him, all because now she's a believer. She's experienced that death cannot stop true love. And that that kind of love overpowers a multitude of shame and a multitude of heartache and bitterness and disappointment and fear. It's the kind of love that's worth dying for. But it's also the greatest thing in the world that's worth living for. Except for maybe a nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato, where the mutton is nice and lean, the tomato is ripe. They're so perky, I love that. Listen to how Peter contextualizes this love for his fellow disciples as they continue to live out their faith in their circumstances. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may, be, may pray. And listen, listen to verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And then Peter goes on to describe how we love. Offer us hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And I get that's, that's a big chunk of scripture uh, for just a morning. And maybe this is something that you can take and look through and read through and be encouraged by as you study your Bible uh, this week. But in this passage, as Peter is writing this encouragement to his fellow Christians, we find our motivation for righteous living, and we find our motivation for acknowledging with our lives that we believe that we serve a risen Savior. As disciples of Jesus, we live the rest of our earthly lives for the will of God, and we find the, the impetus for all of this, for God's will in his desire that everyone experiences his love. 1 Peter 4, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. There are three different words that are used for love in the New Testament. There are actually four different words in Greek uh, that mean love. Here, the, the three that are used in the New Testament are eros, uh, which means romantic love, phileo, which means brotherly love, and agape, which is a self-sacrificing, self-sacrificing unconditional godly love that transcends circumstance. And, and it's, the reason why that matters is because you read this from Peter and you think, oh, love each other deeply. Okay, like brothers and sisters, like we kind of need that love for each other. But he doesn't use phileo here. He uses the word agape. So Peter's saying, love each other. Use the self-sacrificing, unconditional, godly love that trans circumstance, circumstances you connect and are in relationship with each other. And that love is going to cover anything 
that's been done or that you've done or that's been said or that's been said to you or anything that's caused that shame and anything that's caused that disconnection from the love of God and the love that we're called to share with each other. We experience God's pursuit of love for us and how we pursue love with each other. That's, that's how we know because we're opening ourselves up to those relationships and connections that God has called us to. So Peter says three things. Here are three things. Here are three ways in which you love and experience this love. He says, what, what, what are you doing to share in this relationship with each other? Are, are you being hospitable to each other? What, what, what Christ follower are you connecting to or in connection with? Who is the person that you're opening up your home to, opening up your life to? And I, I get, like, sometimes those, those can be very vulnerable, uh, scary, and sometimes embarrassing, you know, things to do. Is it actually saying, oh, come over to my house, see where I live. Let's actually share a meal with each other, and you can see what my eating habits are like. You know, I mean, th- those are things that can be raw for us at, at times, but these are the ways in which we're called to relate to each other. Who are you spending time with? Who are you speaking to? Who are you sharing your life with? with your fellow disciples in Christ. The second thing that uh, Peter mentions is that we've all been given gifts from God's grace in order to serve others. We're all talented with something, so don't keep it to yourself. Maybe you're really good with a sword. Maybe you have a Holocaust cloak for someone to borrow. Maybe you have a book that you can read for someone who's sick. All All of us have been given grace by God to share with others and what we can do. Talents, abilities. What word has God, this is the third thing, what word has God given you to speak to others? There's something in scripture that everyone needs to hear. And it's not necessarily that they need to hear you quoting Bible verses at them, although maybe a fellow believer does, does need that occasionally. But everybody needs to hear the message that God is relentlessly pursuing humanity with his love. And everyone needs to hear that they can open themselves up to him and to fellow believers to experience that love. If we're not speaking to others as though we have the very words of God, and we do, they're in his word, in scripture, we're taking away their opportunity to experience and open themselves, make themselves vulnerable to the love that God is pursuing them with. Wesley is finally reunited with Buttercup, not just because of his relentless pursuit of love that's on his own, but it's because he opened himself up to help his friends and accept their help in return. God's love, his relentless pursuit of us, is experienced through the vulnerability, vulnerability of relationship with him and with each other. And so here's the thing that I want you to know. If you're hurting right now, that's kind of where you are in life is you're just hurt and you're in pain because you've experienced this disappointment and fear and shame that's come with opening yourself up to others and trying to experience love. Um, I just want to let you know that there are people here that you can trust with that hurt that will walk with you uh, alongside of that. If you're healing right now, these things that Peter identifies, these are part of your healing process. Like these are, the, these are the things that we're called to do to heal through that, to be able to experience that love. And so speaking with others as though we have the very words of God, which we do, serving others, being hospitable to others, being in relationship and connecting, making yourselves vulnerable to that. Even when you're healing, I know it can be tough to make yourself vulnerable. Like that's part of your healing process 
And if you're healthy, right now, God's will will be glorified in your life as you rely on his strength to share his love with others. And continuing to share the strength that you feel now with the people who don't have it. See, not even death itself could stop him. He will always come for you. And even though you may experience doubt because it seems like it's been delayed for a little while, God is always pursuing us, pursuing us with his love. One of the things that Jesus says, and I'm going to just kind of summarize this, he essentially says that what we do to and for each other is what we're doing for him. And so this, this might be a little bit dangerous, so maybe only do this this afternoon or, or maybe through uh, Labor Day, maybe not for the whole week. But I want you to think about that in terms of when people come up to you and they ask you for something, maybe just this afternoon or maybe this afternoon tomorrow. I want you to think about what your response is going to be and your thought process is through that. No matter how menial the task is or how much you do or don't want to do it, I, I want you to consider these three words to use in response when you get a request how about as you wish? Think about how those three, you know, fetch me that picture. You know, think, think about how those three words, that response, as you wish, how the connection that that simple response made between Wesley and Buttercup. It took her a while to figure it out, but you know, think, think about how much was said in those words. And, when, and like, you guys know the right inflection, too, of saying, not as you wish. You know, you know that kind of thing. I mean, actually respond in such a way as you think, man, here, here's an opportunity for me to express and to share the same love that God has expressed and shared with me. So just, just think about that. Maybe just for the afternoon, because you don't want, you know, somebody to pick up on it and, like, take advantage of you or that kind of thing. As you wish. One of the things uh, that we do every week at Velocity is we take communion together, and, and we're kind of closing. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of closing the me message out in a, kind of a different way, where um, I'm not praying and then kind of transitioning in communion time. But I'm actually going to read a passage of scripture um, for for this time right before we go into uh, communion. And the passage, if you want to uh, open up your Bible and read along, is Psalm chapter 136. And I'm going to read this text, um, and I just going to put this phrase up on the screen um, just so you know like you're going to hear that phrase uh, quite often as we as we go through that but I want you to pay attention to what is being described here life life is being described all kinds of different circumstances all kinds of dis different situations and yet no matter what is happening there's one thing that always remains constant through this and that is God's love endures forever so here's Psalm chapter 136 Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him alone, to him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. Who spread out the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, his love endures forever. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, his love endures forever. And brought Israel through the midst of it, 
his love endures forever. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea, his love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, his love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, his love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, his love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, his love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his love endures forever. And gave their land as an inheritance, his love endures forever. An inheritance to his servant Israel, his love endures forever. You guys get the idea and the picture. And so there's four more verses in this chapter. And I want you to just join me in repeating that same phrase after each of these lines. He remembered us in our low estate. His love endures forever. And freed us from our enemies. His love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. God, may we never tire of that truth in our lives, that your love endures forever, that you've overcome death, the grave, the consequences of sin, that you removed what we deserve because of our sin, that your love has truly conquered all. God, remind us with your Holy Spirit as we live our lives, as we connect to others, as we make ourselves vulnerable to sharing that love with other people, that no matter what circumstances that we face, no matter what's happened in our past, no matter what's going to come in our future, that your love endures forever, and that you relentlessly pursue us with that love, that you're willing to leave the 99 to go after the one who's lost. God, we, we're only here by the grace that comes from that love. God, we praise you for that. We thank you for it. And God, we ask that you give us the strength and the wisdom in order to live our lives with that truth at the forefront of all that we say and that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.